0: are powering our modern world and have changed nearly everything about how we live, how we connect socially, how we shop online, and how we run our businesses. Because apps are the connectors between users and organizations, they collect data valuable to attackers, and that makes them the number one target. I'm Sarah Boddy, Director of F5 Labs.
1: And I'm Ray Pompon, Principal Threat Researcher at F5 Labs. And I'm Sandra Vinberg, Threat Researcher at F5 Labs.
0: F5 Labs continually studies how applications are being targeted and breached. Welcome to the next set of podcasts in our Application Protection Research Series, where we cover what we have learned in the past year. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next set of podcasts in F5 Labs Application Protection Research Series. In this podcast, we are gonna cover what's new. We have moved from an annual report to a research series, and we're gonna touch on biggest lessons learned in the last year of research. So, starting off with what's new, Sandra, can you introduce yourself? We've got a new human. We talk to humans as well as computers.
1: Hey there, my name is Sandra Vinberg. I joined the F5 Labs team in December 2018, and uh, fortunately for me, I was able to just sort of jump right on board with this whole research series. And um, my, my back, I've been in security kind of on and off since about 2010. I got started right away working on uh, smart grid security control sets for a local utility. But really, I, I feel like I tend to, to focus more on the, the geopolitical risk side and kind of the intersection between the infosec world and, and the geopolitical world.
0: Sweet. Um, it's been great to have you. And you're the only the one fire. here
1: with an actual master's degree. In that, that is true. Yeah, I did a master's in security at UW.
0: I'm trial by fire.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm a little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, They yep. didn't
2: have master's back when I started in security.
0: Correct. When I started in this industry, I couldn't have gone to college either, so... We have that for ourselves, right, Ray? Yeah. We're the oldies here. Um, Cool. So Sander is new to the team and new to this research series. We wanted to give him a little shout out there. Um, But like I said in the intro, we've changed the way that we do this research series because application attacks and breaches is, you know, a constant every single day, right? Applications are attacked every six minutes. Um, And it didn't make sense for us to do a point in time report. So we have changed up the way that we do this research series, which I'm going to have Ray talk about a little bit. Um, And with that, we've introduced some new data and some new partners. So Ray, tell us what's new.
2: Well, as Sarah said, we did a 100-page report last year, and it took us a while to just even get 100 pages up and out and available to you, and, and some people, including myself, were kind of like, well, you know, just get this report out. We want to get it in people's hands, and, that, and it took a while. And then also people were a little intimidated by this big block of, of data, like here, here's 100 pages, and it was, it was hard to, to even just get through. And so this year, we tried it a little different. We, we broke it into different parts, and we released each part as we were done with the research. And um, I think some people really liked it, and I think some people are kind of missing the old report. I think we're going to wrap this up and create a report, when we're done with it. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm interested to hear what people think, what they like. Which was better, the big report or to have it in pieces coming out as we did it?
0: Yeah, if anybody would love to shout us out on uh, F5 Labs Twitter, we'd love to... Love to hear from you and see what you guys like, episodes, reports, etc.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And then other things, part of that 100-page report was we had a whole section on TLS encryption. We had a whole section on DDoS IoT attacks. And we've moved them out to their own reports. They were already, you know, something that we were, we were tracking quite a bit. So we also, you know, built them out and said, let's just leave them out of this report. And, yeah, those and,
0: are larger research series in general and too big to stuff into this. Right, yep.
2: right. Yep. And, of course, we brought on more partners. So we've added uh, one of the, the big partners is uh, Scientia. So these are the folks behind the Verizon Breach Report, Wade Baker and Jay Jacobs. So these are the guys who know how to do these kinds of reports. So we brought them in for some, some great data analysis capabilities and visualization, and that's been fantastic. And we're going to continue to work with them. Um, we also are making more use of internal data sets within F5. So now we have the CERT. That's our incident response team. So if you are an F5 customer and you have a support contract, you can call us for incident response. So um, F5 Labs already works with this team on a weekly basis. So we now actually are getting aggregate statistics about what folks are calling in. So basically, like, you know, I can go to them and say, what's hot, what's happening, how are people getting attacked? And so we're looking at that data and adding that to our report to sort of enrich the big picture of what's going on out there. And of course, we're still working with with Baffin Bay Networks and Global Honeypot Data. We'll talk a little bit more about that later.
0: Awesome. And then just to cover up what's close out what's new um we built a landing page for the research series as a whole so again it's not a, a point in time one report one annual report we build a new landing page and you guys can find that if you go to f5labs.com and click app protect uh, in the the top navigation
2: and we put everything related to it there because i think last year we had a lot of associated reports with the main report so we put all that there that our podcasts are there mm-hmm. And anything future is going to go there.
0: Yeah, data dumps, more more research. We're going to continue to, to release episodes as new data comes out instead of waiting. Right. Cool. Okay, so let's get into some of the biggest lessons learned in the last year that you guys have done this research. Um, I know there's two big things that stick out. One is the overall attack spectrum and what that looks like and and what is the standout attack. And then two is what we learned from breach root causes because I think we're now starting to see something really interesting. We're starting to see targeting by industry that we didn't necessarily see in the data in the last couple of years. Um, So let's get into some of that. Sandra, talk to us about uh, how applications are attacked.
1: Well, um, as we were processing data that we got from from baffin bay which which all comes from from honey nets uh we were just in the exploratory phases of just trying to really see what the data were telling us and right away we we saw a couple anomalies things that were just sort of standing out and, and we dug in a little bit more and we dug in and what we found was a huge disproportionate focus on php systems and um you know what, we did a little bit more digging and, and checks and facts and found that actually 80% of websites on the internet are running some kind of PHP somewhere. So it really is this this sort of, in a way, like a, a backbone or foundation for a lot of web applications. And so it's not really that surprising that they're targeted so heavily. But it was it was fascinating, right, because we found that 42% of all of the, the data that was hitting these these uh, honeypots were looking at, at just... PHP MyAdmin authentication protocols, which is essentially a PHP management interface for databases, right? And so 42% of that traffic um, was looking just for PMA uh, authentication portals. 37% of the total came from just two IP addresses, right? And so essentially there were what we, what we found, we, we looked into these IPs and, and they're both coming from a North American university. I don't think that anybody at the university was controlling them, but essentially somebody is using just two IPs to scan essentially the entire Internet looking for old, weak, uh, weakly controlled PHP databases.
2: And this was going on all year long.
1: Yeah.
0: That's really interesting.
2: Yeah. Could
0: be researchers, could be leveraging those systems to attack.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't know definitively. and We've reached out to the university to try to, to help them lock this down. We haven't got any definitive answers, and that's why we're not naming them. Mm. But um, it, it did look like it was sort of running wild for a long time. They might have been compromised gaming
0: servers. Mm, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. And uh, this this whole pattern kind of mirrors things that we've seen other researchers report on too, which is uh, a, a sort of small subset of traffic being responsible, or sorry, a small subset of systems being responsible for a huge amount of traffic, right? And so across this entire data set for the entire calendar year, uh, we had about 1.5 million unique events. Of those, they there were targeting 100,000 unique paths, 66,000 unique IPs. And yet 37% of this traffic came from just two of them, right? And so this, this is something that's consistent with a lot of research we've seen from other folks too, which is that there are small numbers of compromised systems that are just generating a huge amount of what for most people is just noise. Well, background radiation yeah, on the internet. exactly. Mm.
0: Do we know if this university is known to do cyber research?
2: They have some research going on there, but I think the- If they're
0: not a big research, if they're not a big university known for research, then they wouldn't be whitelisted as research right. IPs, which is something that very typically happens, which I'm kind of reading into your attacking gaming scenario, in which case you've got, you know, potentially younger people, maybe script kiddies that don't necessarily know what they're doing and aren't trying to hide their tracks, which is why you'd get a very large percentage of attacks coming from a couple of IPs where a sophisticated threat actor is not going to do that because obviously they stand out, right? Right.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I I think you just hit on something, which is that this, this kind of background radiation represents a pretty unsophisticated, uh, level. And, um, the, to, to sort of back up that point, what we found was, um, Looking at the 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 PHP systems that they were they were targeting in their target paths, uh, there are known vulnerabilities for those, but they date, date back to 2011 and 2013, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so, these aren't people that are trying to exploit zero days or or pull off some sophisticated stuff. What they're doing is they're going after eight and seven year old yep. vulnerabilities and that,
0: targeting PHP my admin is, is a pretty simple attack, right? And it I, happens exactly. to a lot of organizations. Yeah. Um
2: Yes. Well, and last year we saw a lot of PHP and a lot of PHP SQL injection scanning, though this is definitely a ramp up, a higher proportion. This skewed our data so much over from last year.
0: Wasn't part of that with the PHP remote code execution vulnerability came out in 2018 though? Wasn't that a, a big reason why it shifted from targeting SQL injection through PHP apps and just targeting that specific CVE?
2: Yeah, I think that's, that's a big factor.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. So PHP apps, number one target, lock it down. Right. Why why do you even have PHP MyAdmin exposed to the entire internet? Let's
2: Th- that was actually my takeaway. So when <laughs> I when I talk about this report, I basically say if you're running PHP, you're getting scanned.
0: Yep. You may be locked down.
2: But you're still getting scanned. Yep. So be very careful.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay, cool. So let's get into some breach trends. Um, this was fascinating to me when you guys finished the breach analysis for um, breaches that were all of 2018. Right. Correct? Yes.
2: So, yes. I say last year we looked at basically the um, basic state's attorney general. They published those letters. You know, you got these letters and say, hey, we're sorry. We care about your privacy, but you got breached. Oh. And so we read those letters. Do you care about our privacy? Yeah, really. (laughs) So last year, we looked at um, several hundred cases in four states. This year, we actually were able, more states are publishing their letters, and we had a lot more to look at. And we had 10 states. So we looked at California, Washington, Wisconsin, Vermont, New Hampshire, Iowa, Maryland, Oregon, Idaho, and Delaware. Delaware is where I live now. Um, That gave us uh, 761 breaches. And I kind of, you know, did a little quickie analysis and say that's about a little over 20% of the U.S. population represented. So I thought this was
0: statistically relevant. Yeah, yeah, we've got
2: a good sample of what's going on in terms of breaches. Now, remember, these are breaches. So this is actual data going out the door. These are not denial of service attacks. Um, These are not like, you know, vulnerability. This is like or
0: client infections like laptop, desktop. Right. This has to be an
2: organization that actually loses data that they have to send out a letter.
0: Can I just say two things about the, sure. the scope? So 10 states doesn't seem like it's all that much, but again, we're getting a statistically... California is one of those states. We're getting states. a statistically relevant sample size, but if you have an issue with 10 states only 10 states having breach disclosure laws, maybe you can make some calls to your representatives. I think all states <laughs> yeah, should be yeah, requiring absolutely. breach disclosure. And that's a problem globally, right? We are only looking at the U.S. because there isn't another country right. yet Actually, that's that a good has point. publicly available data for us to do this analysis on a global scale. That's true. We so, can look at press coverage, which we have done in a prior research series, right. but now we are only looking at government official breach disclosure letters. Yes. That also being said, my second point is... Um, most companies do business in multiple states, and mm-hmm. when you're going through a breach and disclosure exercise, you do have discussions about do you have to disclose everywhere, and it's kind of hard at that point to pinpoint exactly where all of your customers might be. So, what we think is in the 10 states that we did the analysis of, which is the only ones available, we are actually covering like the majority of the U.S. population. Exactly,
2: right. and, and that was the interesting thing too. Is like we did did see overlapping disclosures, and you know those were only counted once. Mm-hmm. Um, most states have some sort of breach disclosure, but only ten are publishing their letters online for us to make it available. And they're not all easy to read. Some of them are PDFs. Some of them are actually image files. So mm-hmm.
0: no standard consistency in yes. terms of reporting requirements. And some
2: states are sort of like, "Hey, if it's this set of data, you have to report. But if it's not, then you don't." So um, it or was interesting to it get. Was it was encrypted, right. so you don't have to disclose. <laughs> right. And in some states, you are required. Yeah. So it was it was interesting reading. And some some of these gave a lot of detail. And some of them didn't, you know, and we'll get into that as, as we continue into these podcasts about the, what we saw in that detail and how we could report on it. But the interesting thing is, so last year, we looked at an, an ancillary to the original report. We did some, some breakdowns of data based on industries, and that was something that was very well received. So this year, we decided to bake that right into our analysis and look at that directly with the breach data. And some startling patterns popped right out. We were discovering that breaches actually fell into two kind of basic patterns. The first was in the injection attacks. So this is sort of the continuation of some of the mage cart um, form jacking injection stuff that we talked about last year. And we're, and we're going to kind of look at some of how that's evolved in a later podcast. And then the other one was phishing. Now, phishing always been a big high attack method. We've talked about that many times um, we were seeing that so basically if you had a shopping cart on the internet and a shopping cart could mean like you accept credit cards on the internet. so retailers, manufacturers, um, travel agencies, things like that. basically, you know if you accept credit cards, the bad guys are going after that, that shopping cart. They're, they're trying to steal your credit card numbers. and that was one set of breaches which covered you know that kind of, of entity and then everybody else was getting fished stealing your credentials and basically logging in and and ripping your your um data either out of your email or your app systems Mm -hmm. and that was really you know our two different segments so we're actually going to explore both of those in detail but it was it was kind of surprising because i think this kind of backed up our our feeling about how threat intelligence really does show you like who you are and what it matters and what things are going after there's no universal
0: yep And and i mean that makes a lot of sense right um One of the things that we saw in the data was that a financial institution is significantly significantly more likely to be breached through a phishing attack than a web app attack. And if you think about it, banks have been so heavily regulated for so long that they're pretty good at app security, right? Right. They've locked down their app front end. so. Right. Obviously, it's going to be easier for an attacker to get in through a phishing attack.
2: Right. right? And we, I saw a lot of like CPAs, they go after W-2 forms. Mm-hmm. And and actually, I got my start in, in tech doing work at CPA firms. And it was like, yeah, there's actually giant apps that do a lot of the tax processing. So if we can steal the credentials to those apps, we can pull people down their tax returns. And that's fantastic data for fraud.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So definitely heavily targeted.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because we... Like I said, when we had done a, a larger breach analysis in and, and prior year, years, yeah, the, ten, the years. 10 year look, um, we actually did look at it by industry and it was pretty consistent. Um, but again, that was based on press releases. So it's going to lean heavier towards the bigger breaches that got a lot of press coverage. Yes. Um, but I, we didn't really see a lot of targeting at in an industry level back then and we're seeing it now. And it makes a lot of sense, right? Um, cybercrime has gone on since, you know, Beginning of computers, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to get better and evolve as an industry over time. And it only really makes sense that they're going to start targeting. Well, you have um,
2: different types of attackers. They want different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. You know, easy mm-hmm. money versus credit cards versus fraud
1: versus economic espionage. Yeah, high volume data sets versus very very pinpoint targeting, looking for just the right schematic mm-hmm. or patent application or whatever it is. Yeah, there's there's a wide range.
2: And I think you know for the for the organization who's on the internet, which is everybody. Um, this really makes you think about, okay, who am I? What is my footprint? What am I putting out there? What is? What do I have that's valuable that people are going to take? And that really should inform your defense. And somebody very wise in security told me that all defense is local. And, and that's so much true, especially with threat intelligence informing on that to tell you what you should be looking at what you what things are going to be coming after.
0: Yes, yes. Yes. Um... Getting into kind of closing out this episode of the podcast, uh, we definitely wanted to cover kind of the two biggest lessons learned in terms of how systems are getting targeted, how apps are the number one target, how the majority of targeting is PHP, and that we're also seeing trends by industry based on your business model in terms of how you are going to get breached. Um, Thinking about those things in context, uh, what are some of the biggest recommendations that we have for organizations to protect themselves in this day and age?
2: If you're taking credit cards on the internet, you're getting targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also could say some of our- Do you think our,
0: people don't know that? I people need, pe- do we need, we have to just keep reminding people, right? Yeah,
2: well, and I can say, you know, you know, as we're going through the, the breach things, some of them are like, okay, you know, we've put our own shopping cart up. Some of us, we're working with third parties. And we're going to get more into that in a later podcast. But it's also like, oh, the third party is taking care of that. But it's like, that still doesn't, you know, you're still getting targeted. It's mm-hmm. just maybe your shopping cart's running somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um. So, it's something to think hard about. And also, if you look at some of the pieces outside of the app Protect report when we talk about malware, this this injection, this data stealing, that doesn't have to be just credit cards. Um, yes, we talk a lot about this in the report, but you know this can easily be stealing of, of credentials online with the same technology and the same tricks. Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're accepting user input, just realize that that input can be attacked and stolen. And, and it, it's all, hard to
0: find all the different areas of your app that you are accepting user input. Right. So it's something that developers need to be constantly thinking about, not just the security team.
2: Exactly. And it's hard to even know what's happening to you. A lot of these continuing, I mean, last year we warned, we're going to see more of these form jacking injection breaches. And and we were right. We, we did see more. And, and what we also see is the same thing we saw last year is it happens and then people aren't even aware it's happened until the fraud. And then it was like, oh, wait, we've got to go back and look at our website. Oh, gee. You know, we got injected six months ago and it's been that way all this time. And now we found out about it.
0: Yep, yep. Um, what about people being the weakest link? Right, and that's the second big if takeaway. If you're good at your security technical controls.
2: They'll go after your people. Mm-hmm. We're talking about spear phishing. We're talking about um, credential stuffing where they've stolen your username and password somewhere else. We're talking about password spraying where they're just kind of whacking on you with very common password attacks. And this is some of the stuff that we've mentioned that we worked with the CERT. This is what we see a lot of brute forcing, we see a lot of CRED stuff coming in to
0: CERT. Great, okay. All right, well, everybody, thank you for joining the first episode in the next uh, Application Protection Report Research Series. Uh, Join us next for a deep dive on injection attacks.